Has what an episode of 150 what miles. A banger, mate. What a banger. Yeah. <laughs> That's the second week running with another banger. What did we talk about? We talked about all sorts. I mean, you hit me up with some incredible facts and I'm still reeling from uh, the, the, you know, the amazing things that I just didn't know about walking in. Um, but importantly, we also talked about, um, uh, you know, we checked in uh, as we did last time and the importance of being vulnerable and understanding when you're anxious and what to do with it. Uh, which then led us onto a, a conversation about just generally society, how it feels about men being woke, uh, particularly builders. Mm, yeah, we talked about the Daily Mail story, of course, and then we went in to talk about uh, Roe versus Wade, uh, what that means. We talked about it as men and our views on it, what we can do as society, and then uh, I started ranting. We talked <laughs> we talked about the, the, the train strikes and the importance of... Um, keeping hold of our power. And I think it was a really good conversation. Uh, you know, one of our more um, angry, angry, the wrong word, one of our more heated discussions, uh, although we didn't necessarily disagree. Yeah. Has where can people find us? Uh, come find us at 115 Miles Pod on Instagram and then listen to us on all the you know channels you might listen to podcasts on. Enjoy this episode. We'll see you soon. <laughs> This is 115 Miles with Josh Connolly and Hassan Kaya. Growing up 115 miles apart, our lives couldn't have been more different. But we find ourselves today with many similarities and outlooks upon life. Join us on our podcast as we take a topical dive into life, work, culture, and everything in between. Has, did you know that if you fold a piece of paper 42 times, it would be thick enough to reach the moon? I didn't know that. I can't believe, I can't quite comprehend that that's true. Well, I, if, I'd, <laughs> if I'd have had a piece of paper when I read it, I would have started folding it. The record, by the way, for the most folds is 12. Of any size? No. <laughs> <Of> an, <laughs> Good start, Josh. <laughs> of an A4 piece of paper, I'd imagine that is. But 42 times. So a piece of paper that's 0.1 millimeter thick. Okay, that's the thickness. Yeah. What um, the size of it? Well, it doubles in size every time it folds. So I don't think it matters what size it is, does it? I, I, don't, I haven't really thought about no, it. No, it wouldn't matter. Yeah. So. Uh, 42 it, times it would reach the moon. It would reach the moon. I don't know where you're getting your you're getting your facts from, Mr. Trump. Well, if if so, if it doubles every time, yeah, it starts growing exponentially, doesn't it? So 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 0.1 would double to 0.2 to 0.4 to 0.8, 1.6. Oh, okay. And then it starts growing exponentially. Wow. I had to really, really think about that before. I, I, I'm really impressed by the way you've done the numbers, but have you written your numbers down on your iPad? Or did you do that all in your head? No, that's not written down. The numbers are not written down. That oh, was just in impressive. my head. Good at math set one at school. Uh, arithmetic, mental arithmetic is a skill that I think's faded from society. Do you agree? Um, yeah, because you don't, I guess you don't really need it as much anymore. You just got your phone, isn't it? You just got your phone, yeah. Fact two. I'm hitting you with three facts to start us off today. Well, I feel, I feel like what I'm going to do is I'm going to go and um, uh, retell these at home, but just make them out to be my own things that I know about. Yeah, just go home. Just, just go say them and just be family. like, bosh. Uh, so I've got two more. 
I thought, by the way, I thought you'd like, I thought you'd like applaud me for a new way of starting the podcast today. Oh, okay. We're in a new setting. How do you feel about this setting? I like it, but there's lines uh, going behind you that's kind of messing my vision a little bit. But other than that, it's good. <sighs> Deal with it. Uh, so here's a fact number two for you. This better be better than the last fact. I think that last... I mean, know, it's good. I I'm just look, saying that I, I want to build. I, I, I imagine you, you've saved the best one till last, so this one should be pretty good. Well, no, I've come in with what I thought was the best one at the beginning. Oh, so you started big. Hook people in. Yeah. We've got a big new listenership house. We're growing exponentially now, right? You've used exponentially a few, quite a few A few more now. grows, right? And if you put all of the people together, yeah. they'd be able to reach the moon. <laughs> <laughs> Fact two. Greenland sharks don't reach sexual maturity until they are 150. Greenland? Yeah. Sharks from the Greenland waters? Or they might, I don't know, they might have just originated from there. So so what? what's most fascinating? The age? Yeah, they don't reach sexual maturity. It, yeah. What does sexual maturity mean, Has? So that they can reproduce. Oh, okay. <laughs> what did you think? Just like not not laughing at certain bits anymore. <laughs> I, I genuinely read that as like <laughs> Honestly, that's how I read it, and I thought I really resonate with. That. Oh, you haven't reached uh, sexual. Oh, I haven't reached yet, sexual haven't maturity yeah. in terms of being yeah. able to not be able to laugh. Yeah. At, um, let me let me. Um, is that is that shark years or human years? Uh, human years. Wow. So what age do sharks live to? Uh, 152. So they just get two years of banging and then that's it. <laughs> <laughs> two years of focus. That I'm making up the 152. I have oh, no right. idea. Okay. I also have no idea if it's shark years or not. It's probably human years. Imagine having to wait 150. Imagine if you were a late bloomer. You know, like at school. <laughs> you know, at school, it becomes a race when you get to senior school, doesn't it? My boy's just about to start senior school in September. Yeah, and it, and it like it's all good. it don't matter in year six last year of junior yeah. school does yeah. it? But no. as a boy, I don't know what yeah. it's like for girls. But once you reach senior school, if you ain't sexually mature, mate, you're lying about the fact that you are. As in your you, your. Well, you're trying to deepen your voice. Uh, no, oh, I'm doing to do that now. <laughs> you must have been an early bloomer yeah. then, were you? Yeah. Never had the, I didn't I didn't reach sexual maturity until about third or fourth year senior school has. It was murder. When you say sexual maturity, you don't mean it about the, in the same way as the sharks, though. No, I'm I'm talking the same way as the sharks now. Really? Going through puberty. Yes. Yeah. Wow. So, fact three. <laughs> I'm I'm ready for this one now. The average cloud weighs one point one million pounds. Fact. Pounds. Pounds. Fact. That's 551 tons. It's the average cloud, is it? The average cloud. There'll be bigger clouds. And smaller There'll be clouds. smaller clouds. But the average cloud. That's heavy. Heavy. Bro. No wonder, like, there's a metaphor for a cloud hanging over you, because it's heavy. Oh. And you could, be, you could say, now, you could take that metaphor even further and go, there's more than your average cloud hanging over me. <laughs> I have, no, I have an above <laughs> average cloud hanging over me. Um, wow. So you hit me up with some good facts today. There's three facts there. Take them away. Tell your friends. Uh, particularly, I think, the, the one about... The one. Yeah. All right. I was going to go paper folding. 
Yeah, that's, a good, that's one that you save for parties. Yeah, when, when the party's get a bit, a bit of flat. paper out. Yeah. Yeah, get a bit of paper out and say, I bet you... I imagine they'd be better at your kinds of parties because you go to like dry parties, don't you? <laughs> yeah, Literally, when, yeah. When no one no, drinks no, enough. No everyone's just on water. Okay, oh God, no one's having fun here. What can I do, Josh? Come on, think. What can I do? What can I do? Oh, yes. Bring out the paper folding anecdote. <laughs> wow. But you could bet people that I bet you can't fold this more than probably say 10 times if the world record's 12. I think most drunk people would think, I'll have a go at that. I could fold that more than 10 times. And you could sort of do a bit of money. Yeah, that's what I mean, yeah. Nice. Little little sort of Paul Newman, hustler, Paul Stakes sort of colour of money type thing. Yeah, yeah, well, exactly, yeah. Nice. I thought that was the best way to start the podcast. Actually. Brilliant. Three, I'm going to have to top it next time. Three new facts. I'm actually, I'm probably not going to bother. Well, I'm, every time I come, I'm just going to bring you facts, Has. I just bring new information for your ears. Phonic pleasure for me. <laughs> Thank you. Sonic immature sexual pleasure for you. <laughs> uh, you got up you got up on the right side of bed today, didn't you, Jeff? I did actually. That leads nicely into a bit of the check-in. I liked the emotional check-in that you'd done the other week, two weeks ago. So how are you feeling, Hass? Um oh, yeah. Well, I'm I'm trying to process all these facts you've just thrown at me. So that's how I'm feeling at the moment. My, my brain's a bit crazy. I tell you what, I don't know if you've ever had this, right? But, you know, there's some nights where, like, you're just dreaming so hard, you wake up and your brain's hurting. Like, and I sort of I had a really broken night's sleep where I was dreaming um, really, like, intensely. But, like, they weren't fun dreams. It was kind of like, you know, like, you're watching an action movie and you've got to escape from stuff what well, i was having to escape from i can't believe i'm telling this publicly but i was in like um a really rough pub right and every every so often like a new sort of local villain would show up and like create argy-bargy and you had to just kind of make your way through the pub but i would never leave the pub i just had to kind of get through mm. to the other end so i don't know what that was uh, do you ever look for meaning in them i think there's always a meaning in them. i don't know maybe maybe all i would say is i think i'm creatively so this leads me on to the how i'm generally feeling so i think i'm i'm like my creative levels are really rising at the moment and and i think i, I mentioned this to you last week last week um was the first time that i felt for a long time that I wasn't kind of um, a bit overwhelmed with like what to do next. And, yeah, yeah, and a big yeah. part of that is because I've been spending a lot of time just trying to create space. And I said to you, like, it's amazing what happens when you're able to create some space. And yeah. I think what's happened is last week I was able to create space. Really good things happened in terms of what I was trying to achieve with the business, um, a lot of progress. But also I just think my brain's more active creatively because it's been stifled you know mm. when you're really busy you shut off receptors to certain things and i just didn't feel that i was able to kind of turn on creativity and so i think that's a big part of it i'm just my, my brain's kind of going off a little bit and what switched that on what switched that creativity was there space something? just, space, just space. that space and and a need as well so i know that i'm having to kind of operate in a slightly different way with kind of you know with the other part of the business and that's it really you know that space that you created right do you think, because you know, like you always try and learn from things and all that kind of stuff, right? Do you think that, because you got quite overwhelmed before you created the space, yeah? Yep. Could you implement creating that space sooner, right? I know like the, the knee-jerk reaction is to say yes, but I do think there's something in sort of 
some of us work where we sort of get, have we talked about this before, but where we get close to that red zone and that's kind of the only thing that forces us to create space. Do you think you'll go, what I'm saying is, do you, do you think you'll go on another sprint now until you get overwhelmed again? And then that will be what forces space. I'm, if you're being deadly If I'm honest. deadly honest, I think there's an element of me that operates like that, you mm. know, that, um, but I don't, uh, I don't know that I put myself into the red. I was just getting to a certain point that was kind of um, agreed with me and my sort of, you know, partners in the business. And that was it really. That was just almost mentally reaching that point where you go, okay, I can now tripwire into this, you know, trip over into this new space. I think there's been an element of that. I do think, um, I do think you can create more space to prevent yourself having to feel like that. Um, and, you know, feeling like, I mean, I won't say I wasn't overwhelmed, but I think I was almost, there was a, you know, there was kind of uh, light at the end of the tunnel as it relates to, you know, what I was trying to achieve. So I do, I do think that um, it can be, it can be prevented. You can, you know, you can, you know, work towards it. Um, but I do think I enjoy the pressure of work to get the best out of me. I think that's what you're pointing to, right? Some people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I think there's like this notion now or this sort of almost need or desire to push everybody to work where you're just we talked about going out of your comfort zone and all of that, but certainly like in the space, the emotional space that I work in, I see a lot of people as sort of pushing the solutions as just, you know, never allowing us, you shouldn't like trying to eradicate stress and stuff like that. And I don't, I don't work like that. I'm a proper sprinter in the way that I work. I'm more Usain Bolt than I am Mo Farah. But do you know what I mean? I am like that yeah. in the way. And I think some people are probably more Mo Farah in that like steady, let me go steady and I'm going to, and I think you do have to find out what you are. And I'm more yeah. of a, let me just burst and get every bit of energy. Well, just to play out the Mo Farah one, I think what Mo Farah does is he has a strategy. Yeah. He's steady. Like he knows, like, you know, he's got a plan in place. And then, um, but he sprints to the finish line. He always yeah. like, conserves the energy oh, true, and sprints yeah. to the finish line. That's what kills everyone. Cause like yeah. no one's got anything left. And then Mo Farah just used to leave him for dust, didn't he? Yeah. So I think there's, um, I think that's really interesting. I think um, the sprint thing works when you're really focused and you yeah. know what you need to get to. And I think that's why you operate like that. You like, you almost get your vision, you sprint, um, but it sort of probably takes a bit out of you as well, right? And you, yeah. you've got to recharge and regenerate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, th the reason I did the emotional check-in, I've just come, so today I feel absolutely brilliant. Right, very alive, very free. But I've had like a f probably the last few days of on and off just fucking real bad anxiety, right? Really? When the anxiety is, I've been riddled with it, right? And when you're riddled with it, like I was, like I have been the last couple of days, I'm talking, you, you, you just fucking need to veg out and sit down, but you can't sit still. And then, but you can't do anything. And then you want it like you get your phone out because you can't be and you're trying to escape and you need something and you just want to try and take the edge off and there's nothing there. Um, but the interesting thing is, is that the antidote for that for me is, is a big breathwork session. It works every single time. And it's happened to me a couple of times in the last week where the things that I know work for me, I just put them off and I don't want to do them. Yeah. And that's the worst thing about that anxiety is it like almost prevents you from doing the things that you know that you need to do in order to prevent it. Yeah. Um, what do you think was driving the anxiety? So I don't, this is the thing about it, right? Is I think that, so I always say that anxiety is driven by my, you know, my body not feeling safe for whatever reason. 
I couldn't find a reason for it yesterday. Could not find a reason for it. I think some of it was um, like a lack of sleep. I had a really busy weekend yeah. that forced a lack of sleep. Yeah. Um, and so that can sometimes push it. But when you can't, when they're just, you can't find a real reason, it's so frustrating. Um, and I think one of the problems is, is that people try and assign meaning to it. So if you look at like CBT, for example, which works for a lot of people, it wouldn't have worked for me yesterday because people say you're scared of something. And obviously my body is in that stressed, scared state, but I don't know what's caused it. So I can't sort of reframe that to get rid of it because I'm not- You're in it. Yeah, I'm in it and yeah. I'm not actively worried about yeah. anything. Yeah, It's a feeling. Um, but anyway, I did a massive breathwork session again last night and it it works, ev it's worked every single time what, when I come out What's of it, brilliant not... about breathwork, obviously, is, you know, you you, uh, <clears throat> you do it you do it for other people and you do it to gr really great effect, which we know about, because you don't stop banging on about it. I'm <laughs> to tell your products on here. But, uh, but what I love about it is that you can actually use it to, um, to sort yourself out. Yeah. Like you don't need to be led by anyone else. Oftentimes you're, you know, if you're in therapy, you, you, you almost feel like you can't yeah, yeah. get work through something because you have to see your therapist or you have to see your coach, right? But actually what you can do is you can just kind of apply that kind of the, the, the breath work principles, do the breathing and then it sorts you out. 100% mate. And that's what I am so big on when it comes to breath work. I tell people this is accessible as it gets, uh, as capitalism gets hold of it, right? And it's fucking, people start saying that you need to travel around the world and do breath work here, there and everywhere before it's safe to do it on your own. It is BS. Right, anybody can do it. You make a playlist, breathe for two songs. I don't even really care how you breathe. You can breathe in through your nose and out through your mouth, in through your mouth and out. It don't matter. It'll all have an, an impact. Yeah. You can split this. You can get a bit technical on it and yeah. talk about which will work, yeah. but just fucking go and experiment yeah. because um, the only thing that sorts me out when I'm like when I and everyone can relate to this, right? Because everyone's been in that place where you wake up, you bounce up in the middle of the night, and you just cannot get to sleep because you're just your mind starts racing. Yeah, you got stuff on, you got you're worrying about stuff, um, or you just begin worrying about oh shit, I've got to wake up really early in the morning, I can't get back to sleep. I always find that like you've, you know I've tried all these different things where you get up, you read all that sort of stuff. I always find that actually if you just really focus just on your breathing and listening to your breath going in and out, you completely start to just focus on that thing and everything else drops yeah. away. And I always go back to sleep. That's the only way I can always Yeah, yeah, yeah. And a, good, like, a really good one, that's what's really easy about it, and this is some technical stuff for people that they can use, right? Is if you breathe in through your nose, particularly in when you're trying to calm yourself, right? Yeah. You're starting to feel a little bit. Yeah. I think when my anxiety's gone crazy, yeah. this doesn't work for me. Yeah. I have to do a big breathwork yeah. session, some yeah. like mouth breathing. Yeah. But particularly when you're starting to feel a little bit of angst, focus on breathing in for four through your nose and out with your mouth for, for seven, right? It's not a maths lesson, so just elongate the exhale. But how many if, times can you fold that breath? <laughs> the fold's in the middle. <laughs> and if you do it, and I tell you what, if you fucking breathe long enough, you, you can, can go, go to, to the, the moon. moon. <laughs> <laughs> Are you available for weddings and uh, bar mitzvahs, Josh? <laughs> uh, no, look, that's good. But the one thing I would say about the anxiety, uh, me not being able to put my finger particularly on what it is, when there's a lot of stuff going on in my life, I get emotionally full. I know yeah. that much. Yeah. I think anxiety and overwhelming me is driven when I'm emotionally full. A big breathwork session. I know when I need it most because yeah. I start breathing and literally after two minutes, I'm I'm crying. Do you know something? I am, um, I'm going to be 43 tomorrow. 
Oh, wow, are you? Yeah. I knew it was your birthday tomorrow. Yeah, you didn't last time. So, uh, <laughs> I had no idea. No, but listen, you know, the serious point, you know, I've spent my life probably avoiding the word anxiety, not intentionally, but like I t tell myself that I push hard, I work hard, I take responsibility for other people. Um, and that's just part of who I am and that's what I need mm. to do. And then when I start to feel uh, a little bit like tired or grumpy or worried, I don't really e externalize it or verbalize it. And um, it's only in the last few years, particularly like us having these conversations mm. and, and, and our conversations outside of this, I've really started to acknowledge that, you know, this is real. And it's been ever present throughout my life and it's just shown up in different ways. And it's the first time where I've started to realize that I shut a lot of the world out when this anxiety comes in. So my coping mechanism is to basically shut the world out, shut people out. So yesterday, I was, I was, I was probably um, feeling like I'd had a busy day. I was tired and slept well the night before. And, um, but really, I got a lot going through my mind. So I feel really like creative, but I've got a lot going through my mind about what we need to do and, you know, how we're gonna do it. And there's, you know, you know all those sorts of things. But the way that it was, and I was, that was all internal. Like, mm. and, and you wouldn't really know it to see me, but then I, I got like the, uh, uh, from my partner, she was like, uh, are, you, are you grumpy? You know, are you tired? And, uh, and obviously I just realized what had happened. I'd just kind of been a bit of a shit <laughs> since mm. I got home all very within myself. So that's what happens. And I realized that, you know, um, that uh, we all suffer with it. We all suffer with it to a certain degree. Some have it in a crippling way like you did, but I think it's always present. But up until the last few years, I just kind of didn't even think about it. So I think the benefit of our conversations and more conversations that you, you, you know people are owning it, um, and there's still a stigma, particularly with when it comes to men, right? Yeah. But I think it's really, really important that people like us set the standard for having conversations. To you know, it's not even about you know guys our age, right? Um, it's probably you know young younger um, people. Um, and younger guys to, to see that actually it's okay to be able to um, understand what your feelings are and to talk about them. What's been the benefit in your life of doing that? Of going from somebody who didn't talk about it to somebody that does? The benefit of my life has been uh, more open, more connected as a human being, um, particularly with the people that are closest to me that I, that I love. Understanding sometimes the impact that I might have on somebody when I get like I used to get and reframing the way I want to, you know, um, uh, and adjusting how I want to behave in that moment. So a lot of time when I used to get really tired, um, lots used to start swirling from my head. I started, my inner voices would start going off. I'd start pointing fingers. I'd say, oh, Josh, he doesn't give a shit about this podcast. Mm. He never shows up like fully or whatever, but that's not true. Mm. That's just me feeling like really frayed and I didn't know how to get it out. So just being able to kind of catch it in my head before it gets comes out of my mouth, right? Because often what would happen is it would build up so much, I just get really spiky and I get really shitty and that would just, you know, so actually being able to do that and um, really just knowing myself better in the last few years than I have done across the last 20 years. I think wow. that's been the yeah. most incredible thing. It's just, is, is knowing that, you said it to me, there's, we all have different parts mm. and the ability to see that I have different parts so that, and, and those different parts you know, working hard gets me somewhere, but also can be my 
kryptonite as well. Yeah. It made me fall down. Yeah, yeah. Able to understand that. Just when those parts become polarized, right? Yeah. And I like, I think that's true and common for a lot of men, actually, is when they're, you know, feeling a lot of anxiety or overwhelm, right? Or they're quite emotionally full. They have a tendency, and maybe it's true for other genders as well, but I think particularly for men, they have a tendency to become prickly with the people that they care about the most. And actually I find in the work that I do is most people resonate with that, not just men. Yeah. Um, but just being able to understand that actually when I change and I become this version of myself, if you spend time noticing that, spend time being aware of when you become this version of yourself or you become this version of yourself, you'll see patterns, right? Mm. Like I talk about the incredible Hulk that I become when I'm like very emotionally full. I know that normally when I'm like you prickly, like you said, I can get a bit like with people that I care about, my my wife, my kids, you, you that thing about not turning up for the podcast, the people that you, you're dealing with the most that you're trying to work with and you'll be trying to be connected with, it somehow like manifests in those relationships, doesn't it? Yeah. Your anxiety, right? Yeah. Because you don't want to look at yourself. Yeah. So you project it onto other people. And, and it's very, in all of my reflections in those moments, post those moments, it's never ever about that person. Yeah. It's entirely always about me. Yeah. And what, what was it I wasn't saying to myself that needed to be said? Yeah. And, and understanding there may be gripes, but coming at it from a different angle, not from the I'm going to attack you angle, because it never ends well. No, no, no. It and those gripes, you know, you have gripes with everybody. It's impossible yeah. to have connections and relationships with people that you're not going to have little gripes with. Yeah. But most of the time, I think when you're in your full self, you're not like that bothered by them, right? You just yeah. think it's, it's, it doesn't matter, right? Yeah. I like this person in general, and so yeah. those little things don't matter. Yeah. But the moment that you become emotionally full, yeah. they're fuck, they're glaring, isn't yeah. they? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And, I think, and you can't see anything else. Yeah. Like, it, it, you know, like everything else pales into insignificance, really, and you just focus on that. Yeah. Part. And then I think it becomes even harder when you start reflecting on that, particularly as a parent. You know, when you can see like the glaring things that annoy you about your kids. Yeah. And think what that's like when you're in the house, yeah, and yeah. all you can see is the bits that really annoy you about your yeah. children. Oh. I mean, it's, it's, it's awful, isn't it? Yeah. Even to yeah. think of it. But we've talked about this before anyway. Um, for every... Uh, one yes, kids hear ten no's. Yeah, that's mad. Yeah, but I think that's like that I think before, yeah, yeah, I think that's like you know good feedback, good customer service, the same thing, right? We're likely to focus on the negative. Yeah, we're wired. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This leads nicely into what was going to be the second thing that I was going to talk about uh, after the first thing that I was going to talk about. Anyway, we're going to go straight there now. The Daily Mail article. Yeah. I'm going to bring it up. I feel like it's important for us to talk about it and it's linked to what we were just saying. Yeah. The headline was UK builders go woke and woke was in capital letters. I think that is relevant. Study finds three quarters of tradesmen discuss their feelings with colleagues while two thirds shun the fried breakfast and nearly half say they are history buffs. What do you think about that headline? Well, it's a typical Daily Mail headline. Yeah, right. nobody should be surprised by it. Yeah. Daily Mail headline. Um, I think, well, I mean, look, the, the headline's stupid, the newspaper's stupid, they're trying to get readers. So, I mean, but I think um, it's trying to, it, but it's obviously deliberately trying to tap into some sort of sentiment, right? Um, uh, which is that uh, men have become soft. Yeah. Right? Um, and it's trying to obviously portray completely the way that that's put is like, this is negative. Builders should be basically... Wolf whistling, eating fry ups, yeah, and you know, and not looking after themselves and not you know talking yeah. to stuff. So, I think it's absolutely 
fucking ridiculous. Yeah. Um, as a, a as a piece of journalism, but then it's not really a piece of journalism, is it? Not when you. I mean, I went on to. I read the article this morning. I didn't bother reading the article when it first came out, but yeah. it is just. It's, it's yeah. full of tripe. Yeah. Um, what's the survey, and is it cited anywhere else? A poll of two thousand builders have From, found by who? Who did the poll? Uh, the Daily Mail. I don't know. <laughs> Uncited poll. But it says, forget the stereotype that builders are wolf-whistling white van men devouring greasy spoon breakfast and discussing sport as radios blare out inane pop music. Instead, modern tradesmen are sensitive souls, likely to enjoy yoga, muesli, listening to Radio 4 and sharing their feelings. I like muesli. I like muesli and sharing my feelings, Josh. What's wrong with yoga, mate? I just don't do it. <laughs> I think I'd like it if I, if I did it. Yeah. There's something about the word woke, though. Do, are, are you woke? <laughs> uh, I'd say I am woke. What does it mean? I mean, it, it, it's like some words can be used in in, Derogatory. in different contexts, yeah. right? So mavericks, like before I go into woke, what does it mean? Maverick is obviously a very, very, very important word to us. Yeah. Um, and we always spell it with a capital M. And the reason we always spell it with a capital M in our company is because we wanted to take back the like the other side of how Maverick is often used, which is rogue. They often used to talk about Trump being a rogue, um, a Maverick, because he would go his own way and, and be rogue and kind of uh, be okay, kind of yeah. you know, ill-disciplined and just do whatever he likes, right? Um, Whereas what we wanted, what we focus on is being true-hearted, authentic, following your pathway, having you know, being non-conformist, that sort of stuff. So we always spell it with a capital M. So I think woke can be the same, right? For me, woke is just you know, being alive, being aware, being supportive, um, but then in um, uh, to kind of causes that uh, need uh, a, a, a supportive voice, an ally, um, uh, changing kind of the landscape, uh, but for uh, people like the Daily Mail or, or the ultra right wing or the right wing, it's a way to kind of almost push division to say, oh, this is kind of like, this is a, this is the new version of political correctness, isn't it? Yeah. About political correctness. Yeah, well, you're right. Woke has, re woke yeah. has replaced yeah. the, uh, we have a problem just on the Maverick thing. I think we have a, we have a, I always look at football. When I look at football and the way, the way that we've always historically dealt with Mavericks, we 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 have a weird thing with them in yeah. our country. Yeah. So like, uh, I think the current one is probably Grealish, where yeah. he'll never get fully integrated into the team properly because yeah. he's too maverick. He's too in the moment. And I always say players like um, uh, Ronaldo, Messi would be different players if they were raised in England, because Ronaldo used to try all the tricks and then you get taught from a young age, don't be don't be an arrogant prick. Yeah. Right, yeah. right. Yeah. No, you're not allowed to do it. You're yeah. just being arrogant. Why would you bother? Yeah. yeah, stop all the flicks and tricks. We hate it here. Yeah. We don't like that maverick. Right. Gaza was another one, right? Yeah. Uh, and I, I think you always, you've historically always found them, and we've never really known how to deal with them. I was just listening to um, that Stephen Bartlett podcast with with the guy who was the Nike marketing director. Yes, I mean, mate. And he took, and he was. I can't remember the the word they use in in Portuguese, but they talk about. Um, the way Brazil, do you remember that bit where they talk about the way the Brazil Oh, yes, play, yeah, yeah, and the it's, samba, it's, yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a kind of, their style was around the way they s sway and they were encouraged to have individual flair. And, you know, 
that you know he said look they they often frustrated us at the fact that it was a little bit in oftentimes incoherent and a lack of system but it worked and that's why they've won five world cups which is more than any, any other country yeah. so it's that individualism that makes Brazil great and it's just like a you know it's a tribe of mavericks and actually it's a maverick culture yeah um but yeah Grealish you know is um is uh, somebody that doesn't fit. And and what you would say is Man City has a very, very systems-led kind of way of playing football, even though it's got, you know, somebody who's probably considered a maverick, um, you know, at the top. At of the the home, top. Yeah. Um, but his system is his system. Um, and now what, interesting, I didn't think that's where you're going to go with Grealish. I just feel like the press has got it uh, in for Grealish because they're always talking about him partying and, you know, and pretty soon you start to think that. If you're a young, impressionable uh, guy, pretty soon you start to think about the, what the press is saying about. No, I think it just becomes a story, doesn't it? Yeah. I, like I, I, I've got a real, real issue with the press and the news in general. As yeah. somebody that's cut off from it now completely, uh, stepping back from it in the way that I have. When you go back to it, so we were on holiday. We went away for the weekend a couple of weekends ago, and so we was in a caravan. So the news was on the telly in the morning. Just it was just on in the yeah. background. And there was a heat wave, right? And they were talking about a heat wave. And literally the story was like everybody's rushing down to the coast and rushing away on a Friday and what a nightmare it was. And they literally finished the piece by going, yep. And it, though it is really nice that this was a lady presenter, though it is really nice to have a really nice bit of weather, uh, it really just doesn't make it fun when everybody all gets on the roads and tries to rush away on holiday. And they moved on to the next stop. And I thought, fucking hell, man, like a bit of nice weather and you can't even report on that nicely. Yeah. Like it has to be yeah, a negative. Yeah, yeah. So I think... You know, Grealish will get it. And I I saw one interview with him. Um, uh, no, there's two interviews I've seen with him. One after when Man City had just won the league and they were talking. I think it was Roy Keane and that. And they were talking to him. And he was just... Funnily enough, I switched off the TV after <laughs> Man City won the league. <laughs> uh, but he was, he was talking about it. He was like, you know, I'm just, I'm living the dream. He was like, it's just so amazing to come and play. And he's like, I get overawed by it. I've come here and found... And he's like, you know, I'm not going to get it straight away. And I'm trying to learn... And then I saw another interview with him where he was like, yeah, I have been partying. He's like, I've been partying for three days. He's like, we've, I just won the Premier League with Man City. He's like, I'm living my boyhood dream and I'm bloody enjoying it. Mm. And and like the press will try and pull it apart. Mm. Um, but just to bring it back to, 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 this, to this woke stuff, um, there was one pattern I saw on social media that worries me a little bit where everybody's just talking about the antidote to... This was like uh, a lot of people were saying the male online should get mental health training and that. And I just think we've become so surface level with what this stuff is about now. Mm. Like everyone thinks the antidote to people suffering is mental health training. Mm. And it ends. Mm. Like people that suffer don't need mental health. Well, people that suffer are not going to get better by mental health training. They need love and support and connection and everything that they lack. Yeah. I just, uh, it, it frustrates me that mental health training has just become like, don't know, man. It's fucking capitalism again, isn't it? What do you mean? Well, it's just like money. Like it's always about monetizing it, and like, uh, well, it's 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 moving. Look, it's monetizing. It's one thing, which is true, right? Like it, it, you know, it, it's um, also what we can't live with. Um, we can't live with what's going wrong in life so we need mm. to try and fix it as quickly as possible yeah right yeah we don't we don't like doing the deep work we like doing we we don't like finding the source and then you know and then fixing it we like just doing uh like 
put a blaster on and move on as quickly as possible. It's so right? true, man. So if you think about um, if you think about the way that um, allyship works, right? We go, oh, that's a real problem. Same thing, you know. It probably come up today, you know, uproar at uh, Roe versus Wade being upturned, mm -hmm. overturned. Uh, and it hits the, it hits for a little while, and some organisations are doing things like, uh, well, you know, particularly in America, I'm saying we'll pay for you to travel out of state, and we'll, you know, care for you, and they'll do that, and then it will go away. Because you remember these businesses did the same thing around, mm. uh, uh, you know, uh, Black Lives Matter, and it's gone. Like no one's really doing it. You know, um, I'm even starting to hear people kind of signal that they're, you know, tired of. Um, of kind of diversity uh, conversation and actually you know now's the time to kind of really focus on economy and business and stuff like that and i can't believe what i'm hearing but basically that's what happens we put a plaster on for a little while just mm. so everyone can kind of we can say look to that to our people if you're a company um or an organization look we are we care we're doing something so you get over it and then now let's get back to work please and so yeah. get everyone back to work yeah yeah it's done you know so that's what we do so this mental health training is kind of like let's just deal with it at the surface level, but to, you've got to you've got to like you know dig out the wound, clean it, you know, do yeah. you know what I mean? and and um, you know and really kind of heal, repair properly, and that's what happens. People just go, oh, let's just do that. And the thing is, uh, that was clickbait, and you know to get people to you know, but it does signal a, a big uh, a big uh, I think a, a widening narrative around. Um, you know, you know, the fact that, you know, people are looking for more support around their mental health or their challenges uh, around work, wanting to work from home, not kind of doing the rat race and things like that. And then you've got like the capitalists, right, um, who are just trying to kind of take it back to how it was. And there's still a lot of resistance, but there is probably a, a moment coming where, um, where it's going to get more difficult to resist going back to work just because the economy like jobs are going to you know get more um scarce mm. and so it's going to be hard to resist and i see us kind of lurching back to that sort of place where people's choices are are, are removed yeah yeah wow and uh, uh, that's where we're going right which leads us let's talk about the row uh, Wade and the, and the and the overturn of it. But how do you, how, how what what does it conjure up for you? How do you feel? We have to talk about it, right? Because yeah. we're a topical debate, so it'd yeah. be wrong of us to not talk yeah. about it. Yeah. Um, I think probably in an ideal world, we'd we'd have a female on with us while we talked about it. Yeah. But um, we don't live in an ideal world. So, Hass, what do you think about it? Uh, so yes, and I think it's important uh, for us as men to talk about it as well. So, and I think that's part of my view on how I feel. Um, I, I feel at a very uh, personal level, you know, I'm a dad of two girls, so I feel um, very personally um, connected to uh, kind of the, the loss of rights that uh, those two girls of mine would have had if we were living in the States. If I'm being really honest, I think there's also a part of me that feels like this is a problem, um, not feel, sorry. I think uh, I, f I felt a bit distant because it's in the States versus over here. And the reason I'm sort of saying that is because I know what it's like to be removed from, um, you know, uh, like almost yeah. uh, geographically removed from what's going on. 
what makes it real for me is um, obviously I have you know a lot of friends who are in the states, and this is a real big issue, uh, you know, globally. It's not yeah. just a statewide thing because what you know what that signals is um, a, a, a very very clear divide between um, those on the religious side of um, uh, of the community uh, who are trying to drive changes. Um, across the whole country and almost indoctrinate uh, the whole country. And I don't think that is just unique to the state. So I think this is a global uh, problem. So it, it it bothers me significantly. The other thing that I've been thinking is similar to, you know, um, um, around the Black Lives Matter is I, I, I'm just trying to like understand what, where my voice is on this and how to use it. Mm. So I had a feeling it would come up and I'm glad it has. Um, we have to do more as men. We can't like, like we can't, you know, we can't just even just talk about it here. We have to do more as men um, to, to, uh, to kind of to, ch to drive change back towards giving women freedom of choice to do what they want with their own bodies. Mm. I think, I think it's worth mentioning as well. I've not seen it mentioned anywhere and I'm sort of semi worried about mentioning it myself, but this is definitely something that needs to be talked about from the from uh, the point of view of it being an attack on women, right? Or, you know, in that way. It does also affect men. Like, I, I, I think it's important to say, it's not just, like, there will be men that are involved in a pregnancy that perhaps for whatever reason may need to be aborted, right? Yeah. Rape isn't the only reason why women deserve abortion, right? Yeah. One of the reasons is because sometimes mistakes happen. Yeah. And there will be a man involved in this as well, right? And of yeah. course it's not their body. So the, the conversation is very much focused around women and it should be. But I've, ex I've experienced, you know, the impacts of, of abortion in my life. I won't go into it now, but it, you know, it does affect all of it, it affects yeah. everybody. Actually, no, it doesn't, it affects everybody. In America, it'll affect people that don't have power and money. If you have power and money, it's irrelevant, it doesn't matter. Like yeah. what's happened doesn't matter, yeah. it's completely irrelevant. Yeah. You'll just travel where you need to do it. Yeah. I wonder how many people that support it, by the way, support the banning of it, have been involved in some kind of abortion themselves. Yeah. And I wonder how many will go on to be involved in it in yeah. the future, yeah. right? I'm sure there's many of them. Yeah. Is it driven is, is, is it driven solely by religion? Like I, I tried to Google today to find out why they've done it. Like what they're, other than just being pro-life, I, like I, I, I can't- Anti-abortion. Yeah, yeah, like so, so that, so, um, it's they their their language. Sorry, the reason I read uh, I said that is because a um, a BBC journalist was was vilified for instead of saying anti-abortion was saying pro-life because it almost gives yeah. But that's freedom. why I said it like that. Yeah, yeah, pro-life, yeah, like yeah, yeah. it's fucking yeah. No, ridiculous. it just of course it's my ridiculous. Yeah. Um, I think it's I think the it's driven by religion. Yeah, like it's driven by. Um, uh, uh, I'm, and I don't know. I'm not an expert on on kind of. On it's the just Bible. mad that you should even need to be an expert, though, right? Well, you shouldn't. Be, you shouldn't. Uh, on such a big decision, I can't see any reasoning for it. There isn't. There isn't. And it's power. And ultimately, uh, you know, even like let's say, let's just take for a second. Uh, was it the Second Amendment, the right to bear arms? Right? Mm. 
that was written, you know, around the time of the Constitution, or maybe it was kind of, you know, it was a, it was an amendment to the Constitution, right? So, but in those times, there was, you know, there was a need for guns to kind of protect property and protect selves. The world has changed. There's no, there's no reason for human beings to have to have guns. People would argue, like, you know, it's their right and they they want to use it recreationally, but um, the thing that drives, you know, the thing that drives um, the gun laws is, is the powerful lobbies and the powerful companies that mm. commercially benefit from it. I think that there, I think there's special interests, you know, that you know that um, uh, that are behind it as well, right? So of course it's driven by re religious ideology. Um, that's what we've been seeing, and that's what will be said publicly. But um, you know, the U.S. Uh, health system is. Uh, private and you have to have insurance so you're going to have more uh, mortality you can have more uh, complications you can have more women in hospital um, and so that's just going to perpetuate the, the the kind of the insurance system and the health system and all that sort of stuff so um, I, you know I don't know that it's in like publicly I think it's it's driven by religious ideology but I think I would say that there's other stuff yeah well that was what i was trying to get at. i just thought there's no way it can just be driven by there's got to be some other ulterior motive there um you know what what i am seeing and i don't know if you're seeing this as well is i think um i, d I don't know that, that there are men talking about it publicly but not nearly enough mm. and i think this is probably d again due to this kind of um, relational element to it, right? Like, how resonant is it for me? And I'm not saying that that's right, but I think it's real. Um, it's why we've talked often about why, generally, white white people are less um, consistently vocal um, and in driving change around racism uh, around black people or people of color, because it almost is, you know, it's why there was probably, uh, we've also talked about why there's been more support for Ukraine versus Syria, because they feel more like me, it feels more like me. Mm. And I think um, it's dangerous because like, for, for, for the very reason that you said, it, you know, first and foremost, it attacks women, but there are kind of lots of different nuances and lots of people will be affected by this overturning. Um, but in the main, the voices that are that are driving kind of the conversation to not go away is, is, is predominantly women. Yeah, I think it does, like, when things like this, if I look at my own experience, like, I haven't talked about it online and probably won't talk about it online um, just because I don't think that you need to talk about everything online on social media. I, I, I get a bit put off, actually, when I see people that have clearly put something out on it because they feel like they have to. Uh, actually, I put something out on it this morning, so I'm lying. I did do something on it this morning because I was fucking reading. Yeah. Uh, um, but up until that point, and it was point, a good point, I thought. Yeah. Well, look, I'll go there. What, what I said is, 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 I wonder how many women in America will have their um, normal pain and distress that makes sense based on what they're going to experience. How many of them will have that um, labelled as yeah. disordered and then yeah. medicalised for profit, yeah. right? Which yes. happens. I mean, that's been going on for years but this will be another just another way that it'll happen i think that's right? what we were pointing to like that's what, what i was pointing to yeah yeah what i will say is um i uh i agree that we sh like the performative allyship we see so much of it right and that's what you're saying like 
Wait, it turns you off, but like, can I just finish yeah. the point? Yeah. Um, but, I, but I do think um, that, that using this platform, using your platforms, if it's something that you authentically feel, I should, I, I encourage you to use your platforms like to do it. And I know you do. And, and so I think what yeah. you're pointing to is, look, I'm not just going to say something for the sake of it. Yeah. But if you feel it, and sometimes this is the kind of point I was making. Sometimes you've got to do the work to get yourself to a point where you feel it. Otherwise, you can just breeze on by because you've got other things that are kind of taking your... Um, it's, but the, yeah. what we also have to be aware of is that everybody posting it on social media won't do nothing. True. Right? So I think that, like, not that it won't do nothing or won't do anything is the better language, but um, that alone hopefully can spur people to do whatever else is, right, needed. But we have to be really careful, I think, that just by posting something on social media, it doesn't mean there's a the problem. W one of the reasons, just to go back to what I was reflecting on, one of the reasons I don't talk openly about it is because, like, uh, I have some experience around it and I worry a little bit that if I talk about it, it'll be a little bit like, oh, fucking hell, a man, it's a man trying to... Uh, act like yeah, yeah, yeah. mansplain and act like he's affected just I think the same. Don't overthink it. No, I don't. I don't. Um, I don't. And that, but but uh, but I think there is something there, and it gets very noisy online, and people are very. Yeah. Uh, we talked about it on the last podcast. Yeah. People are very triggered, and then they yeah. won't argue. You know, yeah. they'll hear what they yeah. need to want to hear. Yeah. Um, and then they'll start arguing. So, so there's a bit of fear, isn't there? There's a bit of fear in uh, in not knowing what to say, how to say it, or, you know what I mean? Like there's, uh, like, and I, and I mean that collectively, not just pointing at you. I think it's like knowing where to kind of jump into this conversation. And, and I think if I lived in America, it would be different. But there's also a bit of me that thinks there's not, I don't know what I can do. With everything else, you know, when we talked about the Black Lives Matter stuff, I felt like I was actively and still am. I actively try and do stuff. I remember at the time I was playing for a football team and I was being quite vocal about the need to make sure that things don't get set. Like all of that. With this, I don't feel like I can do anything. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I, I think that's very personal and you've got to feel that. Yeah. But what I would say is, you know, you've got a really big followership on, on Instagram that you have... Like you've earned, you've earned it in in a way by being authentic um, and having integrity. But also, a big part of it is that you are a strong man who has the ability to tap into uh, your vulnerable side, but also speak sort of truths. Yeah. And so, uh, even if five percent of that followership heard you say something that felt like it was a, a drive for change or keep the conversation going. Yeah. That's really important allyship. I really yeah. think so. And I'm not, I'm not calling you out for it. I know you're I'm not. We're, saying, we're talking about it now, yeah, right? I'm That's just part saying, of it. Like, I, I think I've got the same role to play, right? Yeah. Like I don't have nowhere near the same following. I think I've got 140 people that follow me on Instagram, but you know, like, but the point is I have other channels. I yeah. have, you know, I have, you know networks and we've got to do we've got to do something um but it doesn't always have to be you know like public and performative yeah no 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 doing stuff behind the some of the well. stuff that i think about when i think about this i know if i talk about it will upset people i'll tell you some of the things that i've talked about over the last two years we've been telling everyone and you're not allowed autonomy over your body yeah and that you've got to have a vaccine right yeah. so it's not the same not remotely but the vaccine doesn't stop the spread of covid Yet we got to a place where we were like, no, no, no. Yeah. So a lot of people will say, I, you know, I don't, it's not an, my, I believe in freedom of choice over your body. Yeah. So I don't think it's coincidence that this has come off the back of the last two years where they've been, uh, I saw a great clip of 
I can't even remember it was, but somebody talking about where if I was going to impose myself on you and my beliefs on you, yeah, if I was really clever, I wouldn't just come in and say, I'm going to make you believe this now. I would drip feed it. I'd push you right to your limit and go just beyond it. Mm. And then I'd take my foot off, right? Mm. And then I'd go back and I'd do it again. Mm. And then, and slowly I would make, I would take your power away from you slowly and slowly and slowly. And I think we really need, my message is always the same. Stop believing that the people in power know better than you yeah. and, and act in your benefit because yeah. they fucking don't. Yeah. And that's true in the UK. Like over the last two, three years, I was being silenced and told to be quiet about certain stuff by people that were saying to me, I'm going to believe the scientists that know better than me. Yeah. I think rather than listening to your conversation over here, you conspiracy theorist, yeah. I'm going to believe the people up there in more power and believe that they're just purely yeah. acting for me. Look, look, I know where that's coming from. And it's really important, I think, for us to challenge ourselves not to just roll it all up into one, right? Yeah, like, that, the, of like, course. Like the context behind decisions here versus the context behind decisions around COVID is different, mm-hmm. right? And And I think you're right, by the way, around just the way that we were just herded and because of the fear levels that were whipped up, you know, large swathes of society, if not all of global society kind of went, okay, well, screw it. I'm just going to put this thing in my arm and, you know, because I just want to get on with life and, with mm. other, you know, like you, you were actively prevented. Whereas I think, um, you know, so autonomy over body was kind of the context for that was different versus this one, which is, um, which is, uh, uh, driven entirely by a, a, set, a, a, a certain of section, section of society, should I say, which is in the minority, by the way, in terms of people that are polled. I think 64%, that's the last number I've seen, and maybe it's higher or lower, but 64% uh, did not want it overturned. Mm. Right? So the minority is trying to push this through. But the thing about people being in power, Josh, is there's no choice. Yeah. There's no choice. Like like 64% of people don't want this to happen, yet they decided, the minority decided, they've taken the power. They've yeah. just t- so it's not about believing or whatever. Yeah. You just haven't got any choice anymore. Yeah, and that, look, that kind of links into, we haven't got enough time to talk about it, so we're not going to be able to, but it links into what the last conversation was going to be, which was about the train strike, right? And a lot, a lot of people are against the train strike, right? Yeah. The way the media have reported on it. I looked this morning, I was looking at different articles, right? And if you type in, why is there a train strike? The main, none of the main articles come up. None of them I found talk about the 500 million that shareholders have taken out of the service over the last two years. Hmm. Nobody talks about that. It's all, wow, train drivers are paid X amount of money a year. Nobody lists what the cleaners are paid and what the people that are on real shit wages within it are paid, right? And, and, all I've seen largely is people trying to turn people against the train strikers, yeah. right? Saying everybody wants a fucking pay rise and all that kind of stuff. And it removes all context, yeah. right? Yeah. And so, but everything in our life that is good has had to be protest and fought hard for. Yeah. Because yeah. those in power don't want us and won't want you to have it. Yeah. And this is part of the issue we're reaching a place it's all we can point at america and say how bad it is over there right but we're reaching a place now pretty patel over the last two years and again uh when when we tried to talk about it at the time it was shut down she you know she gets to decide what protest is legal and what ones are illegal yeah that is a law in our country now that they bought in and if you talked about it at the time it was a bit like covid's going on people are dying right so so 
when they take power, when those in power take power, they don't relinquish it very easily. No. And we need people like, is it Dave Lynch? I don't know his name, but yeah. We yeah. need people like him. Yeah. Whether who, you are, who, who are not, who don't, who don't kowtow to like- uh, Exactly. Yeah, whether the, you agree with yeah. what they're saying or not, yeah. I always, whenever I see a protest, yeah. whether I agree with it or not, I always think fucking power to yeah. you. Yeah. And you protest yeah. and you do what's needed yeah. um, because what those in power will do, and they've got more and more power now by the ways in which, like I say, if you search on Google, why is there a train strike? You will not get the full picture. You won't. And what's happening is this current government um, is is unilaterally changing anything they don't like. So, for example, they tried to send uh, refugees, asylum seekers, should I say, uh, refugees um, to Rwanda, and then the uh, European Court of Human, uh, I think the European Court of Human yeah. Rights, yeah. kiboshed it at the last minute. So now they just want to basically withdraw from it, and they're just doing that. They're going to uh, wind back the um, uh, uh, the Brexit deal, right? That got signed through yesterday. They're just basically unilaterally taking power, and that's why you need protesting voices, uprisings to challenge. Yeah. Otherwise, yeah. Like you say they just it just becomes this. Uh, you know, this uh, authoritarian rule, like this, a dictatorship. Yeah. You have to have it. What I think is really interesting is I think people are probably a bit less bothered by it than if it was three years ago. Yeah. Because, like, you go, okay, shit, train strikes. Okay, well, I'm going to just work from home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And actually companies, I remember, like, I used to commute in those train strikes and you'd, you'd be like, you have to get in. So, yeah. therefore, you have to, like, wake up at half four it's a really horrible grind to get to work. You might leave a bit earlier, but then it's a horrible yeah, yeah. Whereas you don't need to do that anymore. So in yeah. a way, fuck it, do it. You know, like just, you know, like it's really important. Um, it's really important. And and uh, you, you, you really pointed to something really important. What power um, structures do is they divert your attention by pointing you towards yourselves. Yeah. So, like, if we think all the way back to when uh, the first lockdown happened, but um, it wasn't a proper lockdown. It was like just uh, modify Two your weeks behavior. to flatten the curve. Use your yeah. use your judgment, right? Yeah. But they didn't say don't go to beaches. Yeah. And then everyone flocked to the beach on a hot day, and then all the all the uh, press and all the MPs were saying how irresponsible people were for going to the beach. Yeah. And so they were pointing people at themselves mm. to suddenly start policing themselves to say why are you going to the beach when actually. They weren't looking at yeah. know, the, the policy at the top. And that's why what they're trying to do is say, oh, well, why should rail workers get uh, pay increases when nurses haven't had pay increases? Yeah. You have to fucking pay nurses more money. Yeah. And, and also, doctors. And also, and also, the rail companies have taken, they've given 500 million to shareholders in the last two years. This is the thing. It's like you, uh, the NHS is different anyway. Because it's run by the government, yeah. right? So they yeah. need they they have to deal with the NHS. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. If 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 they found out that the government were taking five hundred million into their pockets, which they probably fucking are anyway, right? Then yes, they should strike too. Yeah. And teachers should strike too. Five hundred million. That's the thing. Five hundred million. Well, they can't give any reassurance that there won't be redundancies, and they're having pay freezes and pay cuts. We only hear in the media about the pay freezes and the pay cuts. And you go, well, fucking so have I. Mm. And you go, well, if you're working for a company 
that's taking 500 million out of it, you should fucking protest too. Yeah. But 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 they don't want to see that, right? They don't want to show that. And this is the this is what I think, right? We still for some reason believe that people with more power than us are cleverer than us acting in our best interests. Mm. And they end mm. on any level. Boris Johnson and his people are not uh, I have no uh trust whatsoever that what Boris Johnson and his people are doing is in my best benefit. I don't think you can use trust and Boris Johnson in the same sentence. Well, he's, but he's the fucking prime minister, right? And, and But this is another thing, right? People think that like when the ways that corruption happens, people go, well, it can't be happening on a massive scale because somebody would put their hand up and say corruption's happening, right? Corruption happens by the ways in which people are funded. If I'm on 100 grand a year as, a, as, a, as, a, as, a, as, a, as an MP, yeah, and then somebody doubles my wages to 200 grand a year, yeah, by giving me fucking shares in their business or whatever, I ain't gonna stop speaking favorably or making sure that laws that don't come in to suit, to suit them, right? And then that happens on a collective level. Listen, like, it's been so long that we can't even remember what it was like uh, not having a Tory government, but don't forget that MP's uh, uh, expenses scandal was across the spectrum. It wasn't just... Oh mate, this party. this is this is and this is the thing, yeah. Like yeah. like power, uh, like power uh, breeds contempt for people, and so um, you know, I think it is just something like so. Uh, one and it's addictive. Day. It's, yeah, it's addictive because it can exactly. be any government. Yeah, yeah. And by the way, if I was in government, you, I'd probably be the worst. You would, right? Because I'm fucking addictive. <laughs> yeah. And I know uh, you give the government power, which is what they do. And you give them power and it's like giving uh, uh, somebody that's addicted to crack cocaine a job in crack cocaine and making them work in a plant where it's full of crack cocaine and saying, don't take any of it. Yeah. They're going to take it. Yeah. Because the power is addictive, yeah. as addictive as crack yeah. cocaine. Yeah. And, you know, I think that's why we should question everything. And we should always be not allowing them anything that gives them more power. I want to see fucking damn truth. I want to see truth, clear transparency when you take that power. Otherwise, you're breadcrumbing me. You're taking little bits more and more power yeah. off me. Yeah. And this is what I worry about with the, to bring it back to the abortion thing, is if everyone's shouting on social media, they'll be saying, give it a few weeks. They'll stop talking about and it. And that is the truth. Yeah. Give it a few weeks and they'll stop talking about yeah. it. How do you know that? Well, because that's what they've done for the last fucking 10 years yeah. with everything else. Yeah. So, yeah, and, 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 and then, you know, when you protest, look at what happened with Black, Black Lives Matter. Well, if they protest, we'll fucking... So, so we'll, I sh mean, we'll show we've thugs. Run we'll show we've yeah, run out of time. We've run out of time, but, like, like, where does the change come, right? So if we're saying it doesn't happen on social media, it's important that it happens on social media because it keeps the conversation yeah. alive. But, like, we've got to really figure out where real change comes from. So, like, governments will always hold on to power. All that will happen is eventually that power will pass from one side of the political spectrum to the other side. Yeah. But nothing changes. Yeah. No, well, you, you, you have to mobilise in the way that we talked about in the last one. Yeah. That's why the train strike, whether you agree with them or not, even it's with important. the 500 million, it's, it's so fucking important. really, really important. So important. It's important that it happens. It, and it may disrupt our lives. But at a macro level... That protest is so important for society. Yeah. So you should always want for it to happen because yeah. without it, the power just gets... The, the living wage yeah. exists because yeah. of protest. hour you know? work week. Yeah. The maternity stuff, yeah. all of that, it's, all of it comes from... It started off... Right. Yep. It, weren't a, it weren't a government going, yeah, absolutely, we're going to yeah. sort you... We yeah. love the people. Yeah. That's never... That doesn't happen like that. Yeah. Um, so, so, so I think 
what I'm saying is, is it's really important to, it links nicely to the train strike thing because it's like, you, you need to really get out and remember, don't give these people power. Don't fucking let them, you know, if they're going to take little bits of power, I want to know everything. I want clear transparency. And if it end, then we, we shouldn't be voting for these people. Um, so, yeah. Should we do reasons to be cheerful a little bit quickly? We've gone massively over. All right. Uh, <laughs> reasons to be cheerful. <laughs> uh, um, Can you make yourself feel cheerful? After no, no, I think it was a great conversation. Um, yeah. uh, I think the f my reason to be cheerful is that I am... Uh, uh, I've got three more facts uh, walking away from this session <laughs> than I have walking in, so I'm, I'm, I'm cheerful for that. What are you, what are you cheerful for? Uh, my reasons to be cheerful is um, I don't have one. Today. Make it up. Um, breath work. Yeah. Breath work and um, the ability to be able where to can move people through. people get breath work, Josh? Yeah, you can get it by visiting www.joshconnolly.com. Uh, you got that wrong. .co.uk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but when you're saying it in an American accent, it sounds better in America.com. Uh, Mate, I've enjoyed this. Yeah. Uh, it's been a it, It's, been it's a nice when you prepare. Yeah, it is. Good. Very good conversation. Uh, we will see everybody next time. Thanks again for listening to 115 Miles with Josh Connolly and Hassan Kyle.